Book 9 Chapter 1 O Lord, I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thy handmaid. Thou hast broken my bonds. I will sacrifice to thee the sacrifice of praise. Let my heart and my tongue praise thee, and let all my bones say, O Lord, who is like to thee? Let them say, and do thou answer me, and say to my soul, I am thy salvation. Who am I, and what kind of man am I? What evil has there not been in my deeds? Or if not in my deeds, in my words? Or if not in my words, then in my will? But you, Lord, are good and merciful, and your right hand had regard to the profundity of my death, and drew out the abyss of corruption that was in the bottom of my heart. By your gift I had come totally not to will what I willed, but to will what you willed. But where in all that long time was my free will, and from what deep sunken hiding place was it suddenly summoned forth in the moment in which I bowed my neck to your easy yoke, and my shoulders to your light burden, Christ Jesus, my helper and my redeemer? How lovely I suddenly found it to be free from the loveliness of those vanities, so that now it was a joy to renounce what I had been so afraid to lose. For you cast them out of me, O true and supreme loveliness. You cast them out of me and took their place in me, you who are sweeter than all pleasure, yet not to flesh and blood, brighter than all light, yet deeper within than any secret, loftier than all honor, but not to those who are lofty to themselves. Now my mind was free from the cares that had gnawed it, from aspiring and getting and weltering in filth and rubbing the scab of lust. And I talked with you as friends talk, my glory and my riches and my salvation, my Lord God. Chapter 2 And I thought it would be good in your sight if I did not dramatically snatch my tongue's service from the speech market, but quietly withdrew, but that in any event withdraw I must, so that youths, not students of your law or your peace, but of lying follies and the conflicts of the law, should no longer buy at my mouth the tools of their madness. Fortunately it happened that there were only a few days left before the vintage vacation, and I decided to endure them so that I might leave with due deliberation, seeing that I had been redeemed by you, and was not going to put myself up for sale again. Our purpose, therefore, was known to you, but not to men other than our own friends. We had agreed among ourselves not to spread the news abroad at all, although in our ascent from the Valley of Tears, and our singing of the Song of Degrees, you had given us sharp arrows and burning coals against cunning tongues that might argue against us with pretended care for our interest, might destroy us saying that they loved us, as men consume food saying that they love it. You had pierced our hearts with the arrow of your love, and our minds were pierced with the arrows of your words. To burn away and utterly consume our slothfulness, so that we might no more be sunk in its depths, we had the depths of our thought filled with the examples of your servants whom you had changed from darkness to light and from death to life. And these inflamed us so powerfully that any false tongue of contradiction did not extinguish our flame, but set us blazing more fiercely. But because for your name, which you have sanctified throughout the earth, our decision would find many to praise it, I was afraid that it would look like ostentation if I did not wait for the approaching vacation, but immediately resigned from a profession which everyone knew I practiced. For the faces of all about would be turned on my act, in that I had not chosen to wait for the vacation when it was so close, and it would be widely said that I had done it to make myself seem important. And what would it have profited me to have people discussing and arguing about my purpose, and to have our good ill spoken of? Furthermore, that very summer, under the too heavy labor of teaching, my lungs had begun to give way, and I breathed with difficulty. The pain in my breast showed that they were affected, and they no longer let me talk with any strength for too long at a time. At first this had disturbed me, because it made it practically a matter of necessity that I should lay down the burden of teaching, or at least give it up for the time if I was to be cured and grow well again. But when the full purpose of giving myself leisure to meditate on how you are the Lord arose in me and became a settled resolve, as you know, O oh my God, I actually found myself glad to have this perfectly truthful excuse to offer parents who might be offended and for their children's sake would never willingly have let me give up teaching. So I was full of joy, and I put up with the space of time that still had to run, I fancy it was about twenty days. 
but to bear the time took considerable fortitude. Desire for money, which formerly had helped me to bear the heavy labor of teaching, was quite gone, so that I should have had nothing to help me bear it, and so found it altogether crushing if patience had not taken the place of covetousness. Some of your servants, my brethren, may think that I sinned in this, since having enrolled with all my heart in your service, I allowed myself to sit for so much as an hour in the chair of untruthfulness. It may be so. But, most merciful Lord, have you not pardoned and remitted this sin, along with others most horrible and deadly, in the holy water of baptism? Chapter 3 Meanwhile, Veracundus was worrying himself ill over the good that had come to us. He saw himself losing our company by reason of his own chains, which bound him very tight. He was not yet a Christian, though his wife was, and indeed she was the strongest obstacle of all in the way of his setting out upon that journey on which we had started, for he said that he would not be a Christian in any other way than the way that was beyond his power. But he very generously offered that as long as we were in the country we might stay in his house. You will reward him, O Lord, with the reward of the just, for you have already given him the lot of the just. At a time when we were away in Rome he was seized with some bodily illness, and in the course of it became a Christian and was baptized, and so departed this life. Thus you had mercy not only upon him, but upon us too. Otherwise, thinking of the wonderful kindness our friend had shown us, we should have been tormented with unbearable sorrow if we had not been able to number him in your flock. Thanks be to our God. We are yours, as your exhortations and consolations prove. You are faithful to your promises, and you will repay Veracundus for his country house at Casachacum, where we rested in you from the world's troubles, with the loveliness and eternal freshness of your paradise. For you forgave him his sins upon earth in the mountain of abundance, your mountains, the mountain of richness. At the time, however, Veracundus was very much perturbed, but Nebridius altogether joyful. For although before he was a Christian he had fallen into that same pit of deadly error, and believed the true body of your son to be a phantasm, he had emerged from that error, and though he had not yet received any sacrament of your church, he was a most zealous seeker of the truth. Not long after our conversion and regeneration by your baptism, you took him from this life, by then a baptized Catholic and serving you in Africa in perfect chastity among his own people for he had made his whole family Christian, and now he lives in Abraham's bosom. Whatever is meant by that bosom, there my Nebridius lives, my most beloved friend, your son by adoption, and no longer a freedman only. There he lives. For what other place is there for such a soul? There he lives, in the place of which he asked me, an ignorant poor creature, so many questions. He no longer puts his bodily ear to my lips, but the lips of his spirit to your fountain, drinking his fill of wisdom, all that his thirst requires, happy without end. Nor do I think he is so intoxicated with the draught of that wisdom as to forget me, since you, O Lord, of whom he drinks, are mindful of us. There then we were, consoling the unhappy Veracundus, for our friendship was not impaired by conversion, and exhorting him to fidelity in his state, namely the married life. As for Nebridius, we were merely waiting for him to follow us. He was so close that he might well follow, and he was indeed on the point of doing so, when at last those days of waiting for the vacation came to an end for they seemed long and many to me, because of the longing I had for that freedom and leisure in which I might sing to you from the depths of my heart, my heart hath said to thee, I have sought thy face, thy face, O Lord, will I still seek. Chapter 4 And now the day was come on which I was to be set free from the teaching of rhetoric in fact, as I was already free in mind. And so it came about. You delivered my tongue as you had already delivered my heart, and I rejoiced and praised you, and so went off with my friends to the country house. The amount of writing I did there, the writing was now in your service, but during this breathing space still smacked of the school of pride, my books exist to witness, with the record they give of discussion either with my friends there present, or with yourself when I was alone with you, and there are my letters to show what correspondence I had with Nebridius while he was away. But when shall I have the time to relate all your great acts of goodness towards me, especially at that time, since I must hasten to tell of matters greater still? 
For my memory reminds me, and pleasant it is, O Lord, to confess to you, what inner goads you used to tame me, and how you brought me low, making low the mountains and hills of my thoughts, making straight what was crooked, and plain what was rough. And I remember, too, how you subdued my heart's brother Olypius to the name of Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son, our Lord and Saviour, which at first he thought it would be in some sense lowering to put into my writings. For he could have had them redolent of the high cedars of the schools, which the Lord had now broken down, rather than of the health-giving herbs of the church, which are of such avail against the bites of serpents. When I read the Psalms of David, songs of faithfulness and devotion in which the spirit of pride has no entry, what cries did I utter to you, O my God, I but a novice in your true love, a catechumen keeping holiday in a country house with that other catechumen Olypius, though my mother also was with us, a woman in sex, with the faith of a man, with the serenity of great age, the love of a mother, the piety of a Christian. What cries did I utter to you in those psalms, and how was I inflamed towards you by them, and on fire to set them sounding through all the world, if I could, against the pride of man? But in truth they are already sung throughout the world, and there is none who can hide himself from thy heat. I thought of the Manichees with indignation and a burning anguish of sorrow. I pitied them because they did not know our sacraments and our healing, but were insanely set against the medicine that would have cured their insanity. I wished that they might be somewhere close at hand, without my knowing that they were there, and could see my face and hear my words, when in that time of leisure I read the fourth psalm, and that they could see what that psalm did in me. When I called upon thee, thou, God of my justice, didst hear me. When I was in distress, thou hast enlarged me. Have mercy on me, O Lord, and hear my prayer. Would that they could have heard me, without my knowing that they heard me, lest they might think it was on their account I was speaking as I spoke when I recited these words, and indeed I would not have said those things or said them in the same way if I had realized that I was being heard and seen by them. Nor, if I had said them, would they have understood how I was speaking with myself and to myself in your presence from the natural movement of my spirit. I was in fear and horror, and again I was on fire with hope and exultation in your mercy, O Father. And all these emotions found expression in my eyes and in my voice when your Holy Spirit turned to us and said, O ye sons of men, how long will ye be dull of heart? Why do you love vanity so much and seek after lying? For I myself had loved vanity and sought after lying. And thou, Lord, hadst already made thy Holy One wonderful, raising him from the dead and setting him at thy right hand, whence he should send from on high his promise, the paraclete, the spirit of truth. And he had already sent him, though I knew it not. He had sent him because already he was magnified and risen from the dead and ascended into heaven. For till then the spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And the prophet cried aloud, How long will you be dull of heart? Why do you love vanity and seek after lying? Know ye also that the Lord hath made his Holy One wonderful. He cries out, How long? He cries out, Know ye. And I so long was ignorant, and loved vanity, and sought after lying. I heard these things and trembled to hear them, for they were spoken to such as I remembered myself to have been. For in those phantasms which I had taken for truth were vanity and lying. And I cried out many things strongly and earnestly in the grief I felt at what I remembered. If only those could have heard me who still loved vanity and sought after lying. Perchance they would have been troubled, and have vomited up their error, and you would have heard them when they cried to you. For he who intercedes with you for us, died for us with a true death of the body. I read, Be angry and sin not. And by this I was much moved, O my God, for I had by then learned to be angry with myself for the past, that I might not sin in what remained of life, and to be angry with good reason, because it was not some other nature of the race of darkness that had sinned in me, as the Manichees say and they are not angry at themselves, but treasure up to themselves wrath against the day of wrath, and of the revelation of the just judgment of God. The good I now sought was not in things outside me, to be seen by the eye of flesh under the sun, for those that find their joy outside them easily fall into emptiness, and are spilled out upon the things that are seen, and the things of time, 
and in their starved minds lick shadows. If only they could grow weary of their own hunger, and say, Who shall show us good things? And we should say, and they should hear, The light of thy countenance is sealed upon us, O Lord. For we are not the light that enlightens every man, but we are enlightened by thee, that, as we were heretofore darkness, we are now light in thee. If they could but see the light interior and eternal, for now that I had known it, I was frantic that I could not make them see it, even were they to ask, Who shall show us good things? For the heart they would bring me would be in their eyes, eyes that looked everywhere but at you. But there, where I had been angry with myself, in my own room where I had been pierced, where I had offered my sacrifice, slaying the self that I had been, and in the newly taken purpose of newness of life hoping in you, there you began to make me feel your love, and to give gladness in my heart. I cried out as I read this aloud, and realized it within, and I no longer wished any increase of earthly goods, in which a man wastes time and is wasted by time, since in the simplicity of the eternal I had other corn and wine and oil. It was with a deep cry of my heart that I uttered the next verse, O oh, in peace, O oh, in the selfsame, O oh, how he has said, I will sleep and I will rest. For who shall stand against us when the saying that is written will come to pass, Death is swallowed up in victory? You supremely are that selfsame, for you are not changed, and in you is that rest in which all cares are forgotten, since there is no other besides you, and we have not to seek other things which are not what you are. But you, Lord, alone have made me dwell in hope. All these things I read and was on fire nor could I find what could be done with those deaf dead, of whom indeed I had myself been one, for I had been a scourge, a blind raging snarler against the scriptures, which are all honeyed with the honey of heaven, and all luminous with your light, and now I was fretting my heart out over the enemies of these same scriptures. When shall I recall and set down all that belongs to those days in the country? I have not forgotten, nor shall I pass in silence, the bite of your scourge, and the wonderful swiftness of your mercy. During those days you sent me the torture of toothache, and when it had grown so agonizing that I could not speak, it came into my heart to ask all my friends there present to pray for me to you, the God of every kind of health. I wrote this down on my tablet and gave it to them to read. As soon as we had gone on our knees in all simplicity, the pain went. But what was the pain, or how did it go? I admit that I was terrified, O oh my Lord, my God, for as far back as my earliest infancy I had never experienced any such thing. Thus in that depth I recognized the act of your will, and I gave praise to your name, rejoicing in faith. But this faith would not let me feel safe about my past sins, since your baptism had not yet come to remit them. Chapter 5 When the vintage vacation was over, I gave the people of Milan notice that they must find someone else to sell the art of words to their students, because I had chosen to serve you, and because, owing to the difficulty in breathing and the pain in my lungs, I could not continue my teaching. And in a letter I told your bishop, the holy Ambrose, of my past errors and my present purpose, that he might advise me which of your scriptures I should especially read to prepare me, and make me more fit to receive so great a grace. He told me to read Isaiah the prophet, I imagine because he more clearly foretells the gospel and the calling of the Gentiles than the other Old Testament writers. But I did not understand the first part of his book, and thinking that it would be all of the same kind, put it aside, meaning to return to it, when I should be more practiced in the Lord's way of speech. Chapter 6 when the time had come to give in my name for baptism, we left the country and returned to Milan. Olypius had decided to be born again in you at the same time, for he was already endowed with the humility that your sacraments require, and had brought his body so powerfully under control that he could tread the icy soil of Italy with bare feet, which required unusual fortitude. We also took with us the boy Adeodatus, carnally begotten by me in my sin. You had made him well. He was barely fifteen, yet he was more intelligent than many a grave and learned man. In this I am but acknowledging to you your own gifts, O Lord my God, creator of all, and powerful to reshape our shapelessness, for I had no part in that boy but the sin. 
that he had been brought up by us in your way was because you had inspired us, no other. I do but acknowledge to you your own gifts. There is a book of mine called De Magistro. It is a dialogue between him and me. You know, O God, that all the ideas which are put into the mouth of the other party to the dialogue were truly his, though he was but sixteen. I had experience of many other remarkable qualities in him. His great intelligence filled me with a kind of awe, and who but you could be the maker of things so wonderful. But you took him early from this earth, and I think of him utterly without anxiety, for there is nothing in his boyhood or youth or anywhere in him to cause me to fear. We took him along with us, the same age as ourselves in your grace, to be brought up in your discipline, and we were baptized, and all anxiety as to our past life fled away. The days were not long enough as I meditated, and found wonderful delight in meditating, upon the depth of your design for the salvation of the human race. I wept at the beauty of your hymns and canticles, and was powerfully moved at the sweet sound of your church's singing. Those sounds flowed into my ears, and the truth streamed into my heart, so that my feeling of devotion overflowed, and the tears ran from my eyes, and I was happy in them. CHAPTER Seven. It was only a little while before that the Church of Milan had begun to practice this kind of consolation and exultation to the great joy of the brethren singing together with heart and voice. For it was only about a year, or not much more, since Justina, the mother of the boy emperor Valentinian, was persecuting your servant Ambrose in the interests of her own heresy, for she had been seduced by the Arians. The devoted people had stayed day and night in the church, ready to die with their bishop, your servant. And my mother, your handmaid, bearing a great part of the trouble and vigil, had lived in prayer. I also, though still not warmed by the fire of your spirit, was stirred to excitement by the disturbed and wrought-up state of the city. It was at this time that the practice was instituted of singing hymns and psalms after the manner of the eastern churches to keep the people from being altogether worn out with anxiety and want of sleep. The custom has been retained from that day to this, and has been imitated by many, indeed in almost all congregations throughout the world. At this time you revealed to your bishop Ambrose in a vision the place where the bodies of the martyrs Protasius and Gervasius lay hid, which you had for so many years kept incorrupt in the treasury of your secret knowledge, that you might bring them forth at the proper moment to check a woman's fury, the woman being the ruler of the empire. For when they were discovered and dug up, and with due honor brought to Ambrose's basilica, not only were people cured who had been tormented by evil spirits, and the devils themselves forced to confess it, but also there was a man, a citizen well known to the city, who had been blind for many years. He asked what was the cause of the tumultuous joy of the people, and when he heard, he sprang up and asked his guide to lead him into the place. When he arrived there, he asked to be allowed to touch with his handkerchief the place on which lay the saints, whose death is precious in your sight. He did so, put the handkerchief to his eyes, and immediately they were opened. The news spread abroad, your praises glowed and shone, and if the mind of that angry woman was not brought to the sanity of belief, it was at least brought back from the madness of persecution. Thanks be to my God. From what and towards what have you led my memory, that it should confess to you these great things which I had altogether forgotten? Yet even then, when the odor of thy ointments was so sweet-smelling, I did not run after thee. And for this I wept all the more now, when I heard your hymns and canticles, as one who had then sighed for you, and now breathed in you, breathed so far as the air allows in this our house of grass. 